0: This is The Industry,
1: a show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jet.
0: 77 inches of snow in Buffalo over the weekend. I can't even believe it. So much snowfall, got to be uh record setting all over the place. In fact, I did see a record um, broken in Buffalo for 24 hour snowfall. Welcome back to the industry. I am Levi Jett. We will be checking in with Chris Kelly, who has been managing snow removal efforts in Buffalo at distribution centers. Um, we'll be checking in with him a little later in the episode to, you know, kind of get um, some insight how that storm went, uh, what folks were dealing with, and just to try to wrap our heads around um, what really took place. Uh, six feet of snow is almost unreal. I know uh, out in the Midwest, um we rarely get, you know, two feet of snow in places. That that's a very rare occurrence. So, um, hearing about six feet of snow just seems um, absolutely unreal. So, also in the episode, we'll be talking about quiet quitting and the um, phenomenon, I guess you'd call it, that is quiet quitting that is spreading throughout not only uh, land and snow but really every industry and kind of looking into that and looking at the pros and cons of quiet quitting. Uh, Before we do all of that, we do need to check in with our WeatherWorks team who has been extremely busy over the weekend and want to check in and see maybe if they can put this in a little bit of historical context for us and also um, let us know what's coming on for the week ahead.
1: Thank you, Levi. I'm meteorologist Rob Real, Director of Meteorological Services at WeatherWorks Consulting Meteorologist. Today is Tuesday the 22nd, and there's not a whole lot going on today, but man, what a difference a week makes. When we were on the podcast last week, we had cold temperatures across virtually the entire U.S. to talk about. We had snow across the Midwest. We had snow across a lot of the interior northeast. In fact, we eventually had record-setting lake effect snow uh, in and around the lakes of Ontario and Erie. Now, Buffalo itself saw 36.9 inches of snow. You might be saying, hey, that's a whole lot of snow, Rob, and it is. However, compared to some of the 60s and 70-inch reports nearby, not really that much pretty memorable lake effect snow not unprecedented we've seen this much before with some of the lake effect events but definitely in the top tier of uh, you know pretty pretty high-end lake effect snow events in fact we may have seen at least upstate New York may have seen their greatest 24hour snow accumulation somewhere in the order of 60 to 65 66 inches over 24 hours we'll see when that actually gets verified pretty impressive stuff flash forward to today. Kind of a different picture, right? It's really a lot more of what we'd expect in November. Temperatures are generally in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, which is kind of closer to normal. And uh, really any precipitation that we're going to be talking about will mostly be in the form of rain. Looking ahead to Thanksgiving forecast, the good news, at least if you want to spend some time and enjoy the uh, the holiday, any precipitation a lot of places are just dry but any precipitation that will fall will largely be in the form of just plain old rain in fact believe it or not the couple spots that i might actually see a little bit of snow would be in parts of new mexico and texas and some of the hilly areas outside of that should be a pretty quiet holiday um moving on Friday into the weekend. On the last podcast, we spoke about how there might be a pretty big, a pretty big storm during that window, which there will be. Uh, it's looking like it still is just going to be rain for the vast majority of the US that sees precipitation, the exception would be places closer to the Canadian border. And then as you head into like, uh, interior in far northern New England. Maybe some of the ski resorts can mix with some snow, but for the most part, there's going to be a pretty big uh, November storm that's largely going to be a rainmaker. Maybe there's more flooding and wind issues than there actually is from snow. So we're going to kind of end the month on a quiet note. We definitely had our fun last week. We saw some crazy lake effect snow, and uh, we'll keep you up to date uh, when we do this this, uh, once again next week. Thanks.
0: As always, the WeatherWorks team delivering a great update for us. Thank you so much for that. So I want to get into quiet quitting. Um, I heard about this a few months ago, and I, I got to tell you, I, I really thought it, at first it was um, no call, no show. That's what I thought it was. And I go, wait a minute, um, this isn't new. This has been happening for quite some time. Uh, People just, you know, not showing up to work, not giving a call, not giving a text, no information at all that they're quitting. Uh, That's what I thought they were referring to uh, with quiet quitting. But it turns out it is more about not giving a above 100% effort to your job. Uh, it is about doing what your job requirements are and nothing more. And that's really the best definition I have found of it. Um, and on the surface, I think it probably started with good intentions. I think people who are constantly asked to do Their job plus, you know, almost half of another job or their job and another job. And it's legitimately two positions for one salary. That's an issue. Um, so I think maybe this came from a good spot with well intentions, but it's quickly going downhill. Um as most things do. So I come from an era where, you know, my parents told me, teachers told me, um, that you need to do everything you can to stand out at work, to give you chances at raises and promotions and really just to keep your job that's the thing. If you're going above and beyond all the time, then you give your boss no reason at all to fire you. And I think that quiet quitting is really just, you know, calling a bluff saying that, well, I'm only going to do this. If you have an issue with it, then you can let me go. Um, Again, no right or wrong answer with this, but quiet quitting is causing some issues um, throughout a bunch of different industries. And the snowstorm we saw in Buffalo is really um, the exact type of scenario that you don't want to find out you have a bunch of quiet quitters on your team. Something where an event where everybody has to go above and beyond that you need 110% from everybody to get through that event um, is not the time that you want to find out that you have quiet quitters on your team. Um, quiet quitting causes resentment, right? You've got people that do show up every day to do the absolute best they can and to take on more work, to do things to help the business grow. Overall, that's what business is, right? Business is growing. Business is movement. And these hiring managers, these owners, these CEOs, directors of ops, whoever, they are hiring people that they think will help that business move and grow. And sometimes you have to do more than what's needed to help things grow. Getting by with just the bare minimum may work for you in your life, but if you're in business to make money and to grow, um, you're not going to get those results just by doing the bare minimum. So it is something that is more detrimental than just normal turnover because what tends to happen, because let's face it, right, most jobs out there cannot be written down into a one page or two page document that lists every single task that you will ever be asked to do. It's impossible. So there are things, usually small things that are added to your job. And that's just kind of how it goes. Now, as I said in the beginning, if, you know, your boss is piling work and piling work and piling work on you and you can legitimately document where um, there's, you know, 15 or 20 things you're being asked to do daily that aren't in your job description, now you may have ground to stand on. But another part of quiet quitting is thinking that you're being paid unfairly or that maybe you only need to give 80% because you perceive the salary they're paying you to be about 20% off. And this starts to create a real slippery slope. It's really that the that's not my job mindset finally has a name and a movement attached to it, which is honest to God, awful. Um, The that's not my job, people have always made me cringe personally. Um, But now they have a movement and they have a name and it's quiet quitting. So first, hey, if you're seeing this on your team, if you're having to deal with colleagues that do this, man, you need to identify it. And you need to get it out of your house. Tell them to move on. Get them out. You don't need that. Ideally on a team, you need people that are going to go above and beyond. People that want to be promoted and want raises. They want more money. They want bonuses. Because that's what business is. Business is about making more money. Creating more opportunities, more, more, more. The idea of that's not my job, the idea of quietly quitting is a less strategy, right? You want less money. You want less responsibility. You do not want to be considered for promotions or raises. And if That's not your mindset. If you're a quiet quitter out there and you say, no, 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 I want more money. I want more raises. I want promotions. I want opportunity. Then you're on the wrong train. To get that, you have to put in the work. You should be asking your boss, hey, what else can I do? What else do you need from me to make this thing run more smoothly? What can I do to be put in the best possible place for consideration for promotion or consideration for raises? That's what you need to be doing every day. If you want Raises and bonuses and promotions. If you really want to be part of a team that is doing business each day, because really, if you are quietly quitting and you're not doing business, you're just playing around. You are. You are just playing. Everybody else is working and trying to grow something and you are playing. And the refusal to give your absolute best effort. Your refusal, because (laughs) when the boss hired you, They hired you, almost every interview I've ever been in has asked some question in some way, shape, or form about, you know, will you pitch in? Will you go above and beyond if needed? Almost every interview I've ever had. That's what people in business are looking for. You don't get into an interview and they go, all right, you understand that you're just going to do what's in this job description and nothing more, right? No, no one's ever said that. You have to have a mindset. If you're trying to get better and take the next step, you have to do everything you can to put yourself in the best position possible. And I got news for you all the warning signs out there suggest we may be headed into a recession. And for those who are too young, for those who weren't paying attention in 2008 and the years after, um, it's not the greatest thing. And jobs are going to be hard to come by. Raises, promotions, bonuses, opportunity, those things are going to be hard to come by and really they're only going to be delivered to the people that are doing the best work, the absolute best work. I'm talking about very top of the ladder individuals. So now more than ever, I would probably go into work today and see how you can make a difference. I would do everything I can to make sure I have a spot with that company for the next handful of years. I'm not saying you need to ask your boss every single day um, and, you know, to have kind of an impromptu employee review, but I just asked my boss, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, these very same things. Hey, is there anything I could be doing better? You know, what do I need to do? to look at getting promoted is there anything I could be doing to help the team in general and it's good to have those conversations I do it out of anxiety to tell you the truth that's why I have those conversations because I have high anxiety and if I don't get it's not about the pat on the back. You know, I just want, yeah, you're doing everything good. Okay, cool. But I would suggest thinking about asking those questions. Um, because I'm telling you, a even if the recession wasn't coming, it's a great best practice to want to do everything you can to, you know, make your company stand out, to make them good. And if you're one of those people who says, yeah, well, the company should be giving me more. The company should be, if if that's what they want, then they should come off of you know, more benefits or just more cash or whatever. If you think that's how it goes, start your own business. Start your own business and see how much you want to give out besides a paycheck and your standard benefits. Go ahead. Quit your job. Start something that you created and then figure out, you know, how, how sharing and how giving you want to be because it's just about a fair exchange. And the last point I'll make about this, and then we're going to check in with Chris is that if you do find yourself in a situation where you feel like you really are being asked to do a couple different jobs for the price of one. That's when you need to have a conversation. Do not quietly quit because you're in this situation. Document, document, what you do daily, find your job description and do an audit of what you do versus what your job description is. And maybe you do have a whole sheet of paper, you know, 20 or 30 items of something that you're doing. You need to have a conversation with your boss and say, Hey, You know, very matter of fact, show the facts. Let the facts do the talking for you. And say, it's time for more money. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I should be doing. It's time for more money. Do that before you move to do quiet quitting. Give them a chance. Give them a chance to say, hey, you know what? You're right. Let's let's talk about renegotiating your salary. Or let's talk about uh, lifting these tasks off of you. And you know what? At the end of the day, they may say, nah, that is your job. Or you know what? You are doing more, but that's kind of the way it is around here. And, you know, you just got to deal with it. And believe it or not, that's good news, too, because at least you know where you stand. You know now that, all right, they're aware of the issue. They're not going to do anything about it. So now I have a decision to make. Do I continue to go on with this career at this company or do I make a move? Either way, it's still better than quiet quitting. 77 inches of snow is what Buffalo received over the weekend. We are now joined by Chris Kelly who has been really managing uh snow removal efforts in the buffalo area for distribution centers uh chris is an operations manager chris how's it going
2: good good levi how you doing thank you for having me
0: doing pretty good man um so a storm that dumps six feet of snow i mean what's that even look like it's hard for me to even picture
2: it's it it's, it looks like everything that the movies ever depicted it to look like right. So we I got a picture from one of my shovelers a few days ago that there was just this massive snow mound beside him that essentially had become a snow wall that was all the way up to his shoulder. And that and it was looking the entire way about you know hundred yards behind him. The entire walkway was just this snow wall, and it it, it was absolutely crazy. Um, it was. Uh, a lot of the guys are out working they they worked you know four days straight without any sleep. It was uh, very impressive. those guys in Buffalo know how to handle snow.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing it happened in Buffalo instead of uh, Kansas City.
2: Yes, definitely, hundred percent. I think that the guys in you and I have experience in Kansas City, and I think those guys try really hard. I think it's just a different approach towards snow out there. Um, whereas Buffalo and the really that northeast border of the United States, you know, get just such a snow belt from this this lake effect that um, they they get pretty good at handling it and understand how to really push it. Because I think for them, if you go a foot, it's one way, and if you go four feet, five feet, it's honestly very similar for them. So they're used to it.
0: What, if any, was a predominant problem um, that providers faced during this storm? Quite
2: honestly, it was just the simple fact that the break between bands was only an hour or two. You really did not have much time to get yourself back rolling. So, you know, you you go from the first 12 hours of an event and then you're able to hopefully have a few hours in between to be able to do some cleanup and get some of the spots that may have been missed, um, packed up and, and back into good working order. They didn't really have that opportunity for the first two days. And with the amount of snow coming down with upwards of three to four inches an hour at some points coming down and the wind rose hitting something crazy, you know, you were having the cyclone effect that was just, it was making cleanups very hard. So you had, you had to really decide at certain points to keep lanes open and to keep shoveling open or lose the event. You can focus on entire. Um, entire lot. She had to really focus on specific areas and start trying to chip away. So this was a very easy storm to lose very quickly if you weren't prepared for it. And I think that was the biggest thing was you saw the guys out there who were prepared and who had done their their proper due diligence to be able to um, get themselves ready for this and then you saw the guys that hadn't. And uh, the guys that hadn't, you know, on, on a f- event like this, it's unforgiving for those guys. And uh, I'm very fortunate that the group I work with are extremely prepared and the group that I work with are hard, hard work ethics and, uh, you know, are prepared to go be out there for as long as they need to be. And we uh, we did very good on this event. But I can't say that was true for everybody.
0: Yeah, no, I, I saw on LinkedIn, um, you know, some companies that, you know, posting their snow removal efforts um, and, you know, uh, kind of celebrating um somewhat that you know they're, they're kind of coming through the other side you know seeing that uh, light at the end of the tunnel there um, so yeah no it's just being from the Midwest it's crazy for people out here to fathom um, six feet of snow you know it, it's here in Indiana I mean I can't remember the last time we had two feet of snow you know, or or even twenty inches of snow. So, um, uh, yeah, something like that. I mean, I I know it's lake effect and not really associated with um a system per se like we would see out here. Um, but still, you know, just just an unbelievable amount of snow. I, I saw the uh the Buffalo Bills, you know, move their game. Uh I was really hoping they would try to figure out a way to play, but um you know, I heard that you know uh, fans and neighbors were helping shovel out the players so that yeah. they could get to the airport um, to fly out to Detroit, where the game was.
2: That was the that was one of the biggest issues. Was the travel bans in place were absolutely crushing? Um, they shut down basically half of Detroit and, and Erie County. Uh, so I think ultimately, like you know, you had you had no movement. The highways were shut the ability to go and get more gas the ability to get guys home for a rest the ability to even get something to eat became non-existent about two days in, you know what once you realize you're you're kind of stuck there i think the helplessness that kicks in is something that mentally is tough to overcome for everybody and um you know like i said that that matter of preparation was huge you know, and when you, when you prepare for that amount of snow, you're able to really get yourself moving toward a, a, a successful event. If you're not prepared, there's a lot of guys that got stuck on the side of the road because they didn't have, you know, chains ready or anything like that. There's a lot of truckers out there that came in thinking they'd have a quick turnaround and they didn't end up having that turnaround because they got stuck on the side of the highway into a snowbank, you know, and, um, it was, it was, a nightmare for for resources the emergency resources are trying to go out and help everybody and just them themselves getting stuck i know a a few guys uh in the state division that were plowing out there that they even got stuck in their plows and had to get you know a front end loader to go out with chains to be able to pull them out you know it was it was absolutely crazy there was no no preparing yourself for it but i think it just really speaks to the volume of people out there and the type of people they are Uh, They're resilient people and they're hard workers, and I think that ultimately the success of the event is based on that type of person, you know, that's willing to go out and do what it takes to open up the roads and make sure people can get to and from hospitals and get to and from their daily activities after the event's completed, because cleanup here is going to go on for for the next few days, you know, this isn't going to be a 12 hour cleanup process, you know, for example, you and I were supposed to talk last night, and we, we were in the middle of snow melting process, we we're in the middle of, of taking, uh, taking the snow off roofs, you know, we were, we were doing so much last night that my guys are now getting some rest, but we're going to be continuing that here for the next few days. And, um, you know, hopefully everybody's been safe. Hopefully everybody, you know, stayed warm throughout the event. I know there was a lot of power outages up there. So I just, you know, it's hoping for the safety for everybody because ultimately um, that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So kind of changing gears a little bit. um, So the accent I hear, that's a Texas accent, right?
2: Yeah, Texas. Yeah, from uh, South Texas, yeah, by the border. Yeah, you know. <laughs> gotcha,
0: gotcha. No, it's uh, it's <laughs> excuse me, Scottish, right?
2: Yes, I'm from uh, Giffnock, Scotland. I'm from right outside of Glasgow. Uh, grew up in in Scotland. Livered die Celtic guy. Um, that's uh, for people who are Scottish will understand what I'm saying. Um, and uh, moved over here uh, twenty years ago, and uh, have been living in the United States and Canada for the past 20 years, I've lived out in Vancouver, British Columbia, I've lived up in Toronto, I've lived in Massachusetts, Um, you know, so I'm fairly well traveled now out there. We, We drove, my wife and I drove across the country a few years ago, so we got to drive from Boston all the way out to actually Vancouver. Um, so that was a nice six day trip that we made into st- getting to see all the landmarks. So there's pictures of of me out there in South Dakota, at the uh, Mount Rushmore and all of that. So that was that was great. Uh, that was a disappointing thing, though, by the way, side point. Mount Rushmore is so far away from where you can actually get to. Like, I thought it was going to be oh, like the yeah. movies where, where you see it and it's like right up close to you. No, you're like a mile away from it. It's tiny. You, you actually had to use binoculars to be able to see it. But it was so cold when we did the ride because we, we had drove in November. I know I'm going off the rails a wee bit, but when we, when we drove it in November – I couldn't even put my eyes up against the binoculars because they were flipping freezing. So, like, I put my eyes up against it and immediately pulled my head back because I thought it was going to, like that kid in the movie that put his, his tongue on the, the, the ice. The Christmas story, yeah. The Christmas story, yeah. That, I thought that was going to be me with my eyes. So I was like, oh, I'm not going anywhere near this thing again. This is it was very disappointing. And it's up a mountain, for God's sake. Now, ultimately, I probably should have put two and two together on that one. But, you know, to be fair, so I'll give myself some blame. But we had to drive up this mountain to get to the top top of it to look at this thing that's a mile away and kind of then you realize you're looking at four people's heads so you kind of realize okay at times uh, then you go to sonic and get yourself a hot dog
0: yeah i mean the i get that it's a really cool uh cool thing mount rushmore but at the same time i mean it's not like you guys uh you know, past a lot of cool landmarks driving around the Dakotas to even get there. Um, that drive across the uh, Upper Plains is pretty miserable.
2: Yeah it it was um, it was beautiful. That's the one thing I, I, I that really took with me was when you start driving through Pennsylvania and you're hugging the north, like you said. You're driving through Pennsylvania and you get you're slowly seeing the mountains develop. And I think that was cool. So by the time you get to Montana and Wyoming, it's like just absolutely gorgeous. You know, it's just beautiful. And it was breathtaking the, the the country's so beautiful like the United States as a country is a beautiful country because you can really get anything you want out of it if you want to go to a desert all right you can go to the desert you want to go to the mountains all right go a few hours north of that you go to the mountains you want to go to you know the middle grounds where it's kind of depressing at times all right come to Massachusetts you're fine you know so a little bit of everything here it's it's really neat um you know i i'm very happy to be here that's for
0: sure. So, how did you wind up in the snow industry?
2: Oh, that's a story. Um, so, for me, it was it was just it was kind of a natural involvement. I went from um, dispatching, so that was one of my my starts of my career was dispatching in the LTL trucking industry. Um, I went from LTL then to working for a company that did over the road, and uh, dispatched with them for only a few years. Um, I went from that into uh, an account manager position and really starting to understand sales and things like that. And then I naturally progressed into into the snow industry. And that's where I really found my home Um, was in the snow industry. I, I, I didn't enjoy trucking all that much and I didn't enjoy sales all that much. So finding operations and logistics in that sense was kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, and, and just how passionate people are about it. So I started doing that. Um, then I broke out on my own, decided I wanted to get some in field experience. Um, so I started my own company and started running things on, on my end, bought myself a truck and a plow, started small it was small locations, first plowing small locations, and made my way all the way up to a big box, started doing big box with, with heavy equipment, Uh, understood that that wasn't probably the best thing for me so you know kind of went back down to uh, small box and that's where I made my living Uh, transitioned into landscape and and during the year where I did residential and commercial um, you know hotels and things like that and uh, just boomed from there then I I made my way into the management game I started working with one of the big management companies as an account manager there Uh, that that's where I met a lot of people that I uh, one of them I'm sitting with right now, and um, you know then went back out and mowing for a wee bit after that gig, uh, and ultimately have ended up in the position I'm currently in. So it's been quite a ride. It's been a heck of a ride. Um, for me, it's I've done a lot in the field um, that I've always wanted to do. So I've worked in in snow, obviously. I work in I've worked in asphalt. I've worked in um, you know just as much as you can get out there. You know. Um, I've done hardscape and things like that. I'll tell you, that was the thing I enjoyed the least was hardscape. That was an extremely hard job. Um, but if, for, for a guy my size, I'm not too well put into that position, let's be honest. Um, that in <laughs> seal coating, I wasn't too crazy about. But otherwise, you know, um, just for me, I've got a very adventurous soul. So I don't really like sitting around in the same position for days and years at a time. So I like to really try and explore and find what I enjoy because it's very important for me to enjoy what I do for a living. Um, I just understand that about myself. If I'm not passionate about something, I, I, I'm really not going to give you my all. And I'm very passionate about snow. And um, it's just something that I think you need to have a calling to do, and something that you really need to enjoy. And I've I, I very much enjoy it. I I. I really crave the hours of, of an event. And, you know, like we just talked about with Buffalo, it was a four day event and I was up grinding with them the whole time, you know, and it, it it's when you succeed, there's no better success, you know, and, and when you fail, there's no harder fall, but it's just getting yourself back up and pushing yourself along. That really brings you back every time and keeps you wanting more. Um, so yeah, that's that was my journey into snow, and it was it was it's ever going. You know, it's it's not going to end here. So I've got a long ways to go in snow, and uh, that's the career I've chosen now. So I'll be sticking around and really getting my feet wet in it and getting deeper into it.
0: All right. So I remember a while back you telling me a story about an, an encounter with the mob. Oh um, gosh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So. I was, that was right when I got off the boat. So I was here in living in Boston. Um, (laughs) Excuse me. And um, I was working under, I I needed any shorter job I could find. And I knew that again, just with my adventurous soul, I wasn't going to be able to work at like a Dunkin Donuts or something like that, where I I would just be standing around doing something. So I said, "What what's something that people don't enjoy doing that pays well? Well, two plus two, I went into plumbing um, so I started plumbing with this old timer. His name was Louis De Rosa. Louis, is a good guy, very, very big fan of Louis. Actually, not sure if I should have said his full name, but anyway, we digress. Um, so we we were plumbing in the north end of Boston. And uh, it, it, we were doing commercial jobs out in the North End. Now, that's a completely different world up there as far as, like, who controls what. And, you know, the, it's become a very rich area now, but back when I was doing it, it wasn't. Um, it was developing into the rich area, let me put it that way. So there was still some influences going on over there. Um, I was soldering a line um, when I hear Louie talking to someone with a very thick accent and, you know, a, struggling to speak english at times and it was this russian guy and i'm you know kind of confused by it looking over and now my young intuitive mind um kind of gets you know a little bit adventurous and starts thinking oh who could that be you know this and that well the the construction we were working in was brand new construction they were just building this building and there was there was crazy wind tunnels that would come through and this wind hit it and this guy was wearing a trench coat older gentleman in the trench coat talking to my boss and the, the, it hit him like a movie. It hit him and it knocked his trench coat back. And all of a sudden, you just see a gun sitting on his flipping head. And you know immediately, I'm a kid going, okay, this is no bueno, no good. The fight or flight reflex kicks in and my... Myself, I I flight every single time. I don't fight. So I'm willing to go. I need to get out of there at that moment. Um, Luckily, Louis was able to talk him down. I just whipped my head back, pretended I didn't see anything, went back and continued soldering after a while. My solder job was horrible because my hands were shaking so bad. I had no idea what was going on. So when Louis came back, I said to him, you know, what was that? And he said, oh, it's just a friend. I said, Oh yeah, okay. You got interesting friends. <laughs> I only really did it for a few <laughs> weeks more. I, I I'm telling you, I got out there like a few weeks later and I started doing something else. Well,
0: you could have had quite a career though.
2: It would have been interesting for sure you know like Scottish mafia type of deal you know yeah, we'd for break sure. we'd break pinky toes or something you know <laughs> no that's not in my uh it's not in my I'm not that type of person sure you know I couldn't do that line of work and plumbing for me was uh, hard enough you know uh that was a that was a tough profession um
0: yes, yeah. Yeah, no. I've done a little bit of plumbing myself, and it's um, it's dirty and it is uh, it's tough, man. Yeah, you did um, the
2: rough side of plumbing, though, didn't you? You did yeah. the uh, you did like you know some residential plumbing, and you also yes. did uh, like drain clear and things like yes. that, right? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's that's yes. that's the that's the really tough work. The drain cleaning is the, when you open up a clean out that hasn't been opened in a decade, and you try and get in there with tree roots everywhere. It's the that's some nasty stuff respect sure. to the plumbers out there that is 100%. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening and you're a plumber you have our respect. I'll tell you 100%. Right yeah. Those guys deserve every penny they make that's for sure.
0: Absolutely. All right, Chris. We're going to wrap this up before I let you go. Something uh, I ask every guest. So, what advice would you give to um, someone you know that is earlier in their journey than you are? Um, advice to the younger generation.
2: Um, that's that's a really good question. Uh, I think my biggest advice to someone in this is just maybe it, it applies to life compared to just specifically to a journey is be patient, uh, understand what your goals are and make yourself a, a path for your goals and be patient with those goals because you're going to work hard and you're going to feel like you're, you expect something in return, but sometimes that return isn't going to happen for a while. And when you work hard and when you're patient with that, the return is even sweeter and it's even better. So be patient in life and don't jump to conclusions and give people a chance to be successful because you'll always be successful if you give yourself a chance like that.
0: Very well said, very well. So that ties in very much to the topic earlier in the episode of quiet quitting. And uh, really, you should just um, put your nose down, work hard. And good things will happen. Yeah, Um, 100%. So, all right, Chris, I really appreciate the time you spent with us today. Thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome back anytime. Um, Good luck on the rest of the cleanup you guys have going on. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon.
2: Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back on soon. Next time, I just wouldn't mind it if you could switch off your webcam, so I don't have to stare at you the whole time because you don't. <laughs> you don't exactly have the nicest face I've ever seen. But otherwise, hey, uh, you know, it's face been a face for great podcasting. Time. It's a face <laughs> yeah, for podcasting. It definitely has a face. for I'm right podcast. where I should be. Yes. <laughs> uh, but no, thank you for having me. Seriously, all the best, everybody out there, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. That was Chris Kelly, an operations manager, covering the storm in Buffalo. Again, six feet of snow um, dealing with clearing on distribution centers. I'm sure a lot of hauling, too. Uh, We wish Chris the best. And we'll be right back to wrap up this episode of The Industry. For over 35 years, WeatherWorks has provided timely, accurate, and dependable meteorological services to clients in both the private and public sectors. Their customized services are vital in the decision-making processes for an efficient and cost-effective operation. Whether you manage a large retail property, own a snow removal company, oversee the safety of 80,000 spectators at a sports venue, or use weather data to drive business decisions, WeatherWorks offers the best customer service and most innovative meteorological solutions before, during, and after the storm. What a fantastic interview with Chris. He is the best. Uh, wish him safety as he continues forward with uh, snow removal efforts in the Buffalo area. That about does it for episode number two of The Industry. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. And if you have any general inquiries, questions, or comments for the show, you can email us at levi at jetfacilityconsultants.com. That is J E T T facilityconsultants.com. And we'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. Uh, next week on the show, we'll be talking with Katie Raymond of Case FMS. She'll be joining the show. And, of course, as always, we'll have another update from WeatherWorks. So until next time, thank you for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to The Industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review.